Come join Libby and Molly, the ladies of Consignment Chats, as we build a resourceful community of collaborative resellers. Hey, y'all! Hey, Hi. Libby! Welcome to episode 70 of C Chats. And y'all, today we are dealing with death piles. Ah. Have you ever met a reseller, Libby, that has not in some way talked about this issue? No. Ever, no. right? No, like, it's a constant source of discussion. It's something it's a we constant source of anxiety. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to break it down today. We're going to talk about death piles. We're going to give some tips and tricks about how to deal with it. Um, Luckily, Libby, having been in the business for so long, storefront and now online, solely online, she and me as her back, her sidekick, because I was in it with her through all of that, have a lot of advice and a lot of the ins and outs of things that we did, because we did a lot of pivoting and changing over the years. Um, with how we accepted items and all that. So we're going to talk about that. But first, first, I want to talk about calling it a death pile because I've heard other names. And sometimes I feel like death pile just defeats me right off the bat. Oh, it's awful, right? I just feel like I need to shut the door and walk away. (laughs) Like, it's so defeating. It certainly is. And of course, we're titling this episode because that's the term most people use. But we're going to try going forward to try to change our terminology. And a lot of times that has a big impact on mindset. All right. So what are some of the things I know what I like to call it? Well, I'm stuck on what you like to call it because it was a game changer for me when I showed you the pile in my living room and you used this term. So tell everybody your term. because <laughs> I was I- like, look at my chance and face them. Look at my death pile. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a money pile. Do you realize how much money you have like literally piled up in your living room? Y'all, <laughs> changing that one word from death to money completely changed how I looked at that room. I would come in the door and literally just cringe and want to run the other way because I thought I'm never going to get through this. It's just, it's killing me. I like things crisp, clean, and organized. But when Libby said, oh my gosh, that's a money pile, all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, it is. And right now it's just sitting there. I got to quit letting it shut me down and start realizing, holy moly, list this How lucky are you to have like, a pile of money in your living room. How lucky are you? How lucky am I (laughs) to have a pile of money sitting in my living room? And I remind myself that repeatedly because it was about a month ago, Libby made that comment to me. And I was like, just the changing the one term totally changed my outlook on those items sitting down in my living room. Yeah. It was a game changer for me. Yes. i think we're going to make the forward movement to, even though we used it for the title because everybody's used to that title, I think we need to start this movement of money piles. Yeah. Another good one I've heard used is profit piles. Profit piles? I like that. Profit piles, yeah. And let's just talk about the word pile for a minute. (laughs) Let's get it. All right. So pile does not have the best connotations, right? It signals something disorganized. We're going to use pile. We're going to change one thing. We're calling money pile. We Maybe, you know, next year we'll be calling it a money. I got it. I got it. I got it. Because when I think of my living room, it's not a money pile. It's actually a money mountain. <laughs> it's a mountain. 
But you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Mountains are climbable. Oh, oh. Mountains are climbable. And I know I can climb that mountain. A hundred percent. Wow. A hundred percent. All right. So next year we'll change it to Money Mountain probably because we could do a lot of fun memes and reels and all sorts of cool stuff with a Money Mountain. Right. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. We hear a lot of people talking about, all right, let's put our, put our bodies in a storefront. Let's start there. All right. Let's start in the storefront. Sure. I want to put us in the storefront. You're running your storefront and you've got everybody wants to come in and bring things. Tell everybody how you started your business with accepting items incoming from people in the community. Not the beginning where we all say you start with your family first, what's in your house, but when you actually started opening up to community to come in and consign. I think, and I we've pivoted so many times since that point. I think it was people could come in, they can bring up to 25 items and we would block off an hour for them. And I would have a designated person to process, process that at that time. It couldn't be somebody that was working the floor or anything like that. So it was by appointment that we set and they were limited on the amount of items. Mm -hmm. That was one thing. The other thing we did, which because of my software was an absolute nightmare, but otherwise would have been awesome. Do you remember our Sunday nights? You and Jen came up with that idea. Yes. Sunday nights, people could bring in, what was it? Three items? Yeah, it was three. I think we did very limited. It was like three. Very, very limited. Right. Yeah. Sunday nights we had, I think it was two hours. People, it was just like an open door. People could come in, they could shop, they could consign three items And it brought so many people from the community in just on like, I think, yeah, it was definitely Sunday night. On a Sunday night, they were just hanging around. They walked into this store. They had three items. They wanted to see what was going on. They wanted to see why there was such a long line. (laughs) Um, So that was really, that was really a great, a great thing. And we took new consigners. We went through the contract with them at the desk and it was, that was pretty and it cool. it took a couple of us being there on that time. I mean, yeah. it's certainly that kind of thing is not for a one person in the store type. I think there were three. I think there were yeah. three of us really processing. There were three of us for that. Um, and I feel intense. like we, I'm trying to remember, Libby, didn't we have to tweak it at some point? I feel like that got, for some reason, there was a, ah, oh, there was a problem with our with our software. We didn't use Simple Consign um, at the beginning. Uh, uh-huh. it was, yeah, so it was all like technology related was the problem we ran into with that. Okay, okay. I knew there was some kind of thing we had to tweak on that. Yeah, yeah. So um, the other thing is when those people bring the, it could be one item. It, it could be one item, right? You can limit it to one item. Oh, sure. But, just but a lot of times I have so much stuff. And once they have the contract, they're in the system. Um you can make an appointment for them where you can control that inventory flow. Yeah. And the other good thing about doing it that way was it then made people look at their items. And if they could only bring three, they were bringing three of their best items. And, you know, I thought that was good that it really made them think about, you know, so many people just throw stuff in a bag, come to your store with the, you know, but when you limited it and did that special event, they put a lot of thought into what they were bringing. I felt like, yeah, like it was very thoughtful in those three items, you know? So, um, so so we did did it in the beginning by it was, and it was always, I think we always did by appointment. 
yes control it and limit it the number of items and that that number of items went up down it 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 changed considerably yes do you remember how that changed along the way I unfortunately I don't I don't remember it was always between it was always between like a maximum of 10 and 25 items I don't think we ever went higher than that it kind of fluctuated in there so what would you, I don't, but I know you're, you're correct in that range, in that range. So what advice would you give to, say, a store owner who puts those kind of grounds down and feels like they're turning people away? You know that panic feel, like I'm letting money walk out the door. Yeah. All right. So do you, do you remember that this is, this is really was, was a key pivotal point for us was that, yes, you're always turning people away. There was always more than we could handle. I mean, there was always more than we could handle. But when we made people wait for an appointment, suddenly they were more respectful of our time. Like it was very different than just being able to walk in. And whenever we broke that and made an exception to the rule, we paid for it because those people did not respect our time, would not respect our boundaries generally there are exceptions, but generally those people did not respect us, respect our time, respect our business. And the people that were, we were said, all right, well, we have an appointment. I think usually we were about four to five weeks out for appointments. Um, we have an appointment at such and such a date. Would you like to make a recurring appointment if they had large amounts? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's say oh, they I had forgot five. About that. Yep. I forgot about the recurring appointments. That was, that was a good add on. Now that you're saying that, I remember we'd have mm-hmm. people that I can't even come every it. week. Yeah. Come every Thursday at one o'clock. She was mm-hmm. in there with her stuff and just did that for a couple of months till she made her way through. I thought that was, that was a good idea. And most people found that, I mean, we found it much easier to control the incoming inventory when they had those recurring appointments. And most people were really accepting of that and it made it manageable for them. Like they could stop by on their lunch hour with 15 items. It wasn't a big deal, right? They right. Could put it in a bag and walk in the store. It wasn't like they were trying to load up their whole, you know, truck right. or car and, and just dump their items. Right. So that, that was a good one. All right. I have another question for you. for the business owners that are now listening and going, okay, well, this is all kind of how you take your stuff in, but, but how do you process it? So, so that I don't create a lot of backup. And I thought with all that we did, you got that business when we were in the storefront flowing in such a great way. Um, Y'all Libby had this whole um, philosophy that the more you touch the item, the less money you make. So you want to touch that item from the moment it comes in the store as minimal amount of the, as few times as you possibly can. Yeah. So it really, I thought was such a brilliant way of looking at it because every time you have to say you get it, you put it on the floor and then you go, oh, wait, I want to put that on our online store. You have to go back out, pull it off the floor, bring it back in, photograph it. So when Libby changed that mentality, it made things more precise. Do you remember how that flow would go? Like, say I'm a consultant. I do, I do. And I want to talk a little bit about how we were doing it before we developed that efficiency. Mm -hmm. It was like, all right, so let's say somebody brings in a bag of random stuff. Molly would be like, oh, what's in the bag? You know, and you're like, all right, we can take this, we can take that. I'm going to put this over here and look that up later. I think this is going on our online store. And 
it was just really rough because then we'd have to go back and do that all over again. So we would set aside extra time so that we would pick that item up. We would research it. We would price it and we would get it on the floor or we would put it in our online store and we would make those decisions like immediately. Like there was no going back. There was no putting it off. It just, it had to be done. It had to be done right then and there. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes a long way. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen what happened when we didn't do it that way. You would end up with a pile of like, oh, I got to research this or I have to, I'm just going to set this aside until later. I I remember having such a stack on the floor by my desk that it was like I was going to break my hip just trying to get out to go home at night because I got myself so backed up by doing it that way. Yeah. And then you fear that you're going to forget you know, even though you mark them, what if the tag falls off that that item actually belonged to somebody, you know, whose was it? Mm -hmm. Was it? And then you're spending extra time labeling the bags and putting them in the bags and trying to, yeah. So if you can construct your process so that you're just touching that item once and not creating piles after the fact, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you how much time you'll save. Now, maybe that means that an appointment is an hour and a half for you. Maybe that, depending on what kind, if you take collectibles, if you take, um, if you take clothing, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's more, maybe that appointment is a half an hour. You can get everything priced and on the floor and inspect it. Now but you're just reminding me, you're yeah. just reminding me, and I want to throw this out there because my brain doesn't remember things well for long. <laughs> As you're saying that about, you know, having them there while you're going through the items, I actually recall doing several things after we switched up by saying, Um, you know, with the collectibles, when you were saying collectibles, researching it, maybe having a longer appointment, I would always just say, I'm putting this in inventory. So we are accepting it, but you will see the price reflected by the end of the day right now, you know, and I would put a base price just because Mm -hmm. I knew like, this is going to be a base $29, but it might go up a little, you know, Mm kind of like what we would do with auctions. You know, this item is going to be auctioned. So you'll see it in your, in your account marked at $19. However, that could go up or down beyond the auction. Right. But at least at that point, it was in the system. Yes. And it was so much easier. Yes. So how did you switch the system to become more accurate, more time? It was just keeping that in mind and adjusting the appointments to like, if I knew collectibles were coming in, that would be, it would be an hour when you were there. I wouldn't say, oh, we'll take it and then leave it on Molly's desk for Monday morning. Right. Now that did happen. I'm not saying everything worked beautifully. You know, there are always those exceptions, but that's pretty much how we did. We were just strict and had boundaries and just kept on processing. All right. Walk this through for me. I'm coming in and my name is, I'm going to go with Patty because my mannequin Patty's behind me. I'm Patty. I'm coming in. I got 19 items in my bag and I come to my appointment. What happened? Hey, <laughs> well, hi, Libby. What happens with my items as I'm there? Like, wh- talk through an appointment. Yeah. Okay. How you process it. Sure. All right. Hi, Patty. How are you doing today? All right. Doing great. <laughs> I've got some awesome things and I can't wait for you to see them. Okay, great. So um, you have them in a bag. If you could just hand those down uh, at the counter to Angelina and um, she will start to go through them. Feel free to look around the store. Uh, We'll let you know if we have any questions. Otherwise, we will let you know when we are finished. All right, thank you. I'm gonna go shop. Okay. (laughs) 
right. So then what do you do? What happens to those items? So I'm assuming you've consigned with us before. Sorry. So Angelina is behind the counter. She's processing. She is tagging them. She's inspecting them, obviously, make sure there's no uh, defects, Mm -hmm. Uh, hanging them up because I'm assuming these are all going to go on the floor. And even if they're going to be online sales, we would still hang them up and entering them into the system and tagging them. And then they're ready to roll. And then they're ready to roll. So then we would have a rack next to that, next to the counter, where we would put out new inventory where people could shop that first. So let's say somebody was <laughs> coming in, oh, what's in the bag? All right, as soon as it's done, it'll be on this rack here. Right. So it was nice the way it flowed, y'all, because those items would come in. Whoever was the check-in person would check them in. I'd be at my desk working. We knew at that point, we'd been in it long enough when we were switching and getting more accurate. Certain brands, the intake person just knew, I need to let Molly know this is here. This might be a good online item. But having that rack there was nice because I could just get up, you know, after each appointment or every couple appointments and go over to that rack and kind of do a quick flip through and go, "Mm, yeah, this is good online. And immediately just take it, photograph it. And it's already in the system for me. I just needed the photographs and the measurements and boom, I can list it. So it was very easy. And then we had people that later in the day would come in and, you know, as you had free time, you would pull those items and actually put them out on the floor in their appropriate spaces. But I thought we really streamlined that well. We did. I think that is good. If anybody needs any tips or tricks or has additional input into that and controlling it in the storefront. All right. So there's something that's popping into my head that I really just, I need to get real about. And we worked with a couple people like this, but one in particular is sticking in my mind. It was a gentleman who bought out storage units. Oh my gosh. Yes. And he would often with 15, 20 minutes notice, pull his very large box truck outside of the store. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a whole money pile unto itself. So, And, and I just want you to get the emotions here because when you see it pull up in front of the big picture windows, there's a first of like, Oh yes. And then you get that little bit of panic, like, Oh boy, how we, you know, we got to get through this. But it's exciting nonetheless, you know? Exciting. And I don't think we're the only store that deals with that. I mean, we've done whole huge estates outside of the, you know, general consignment appointments sure. because we would do furniture, home, everything, pretty yeah. much everything. Yeah. All right. So that truck pulls up, that money pile on wheels pulls up outside. What? I mean, it took us a little while to figure out how to handle this because we don't want that that money pile on wheels driving away. No, no, we no. We want to be able to make money for him. I mean, how great for this guy, right? He's just yep. moving up the storage unit. We go into the truck, kind of pick and choose what we want. He pulls stuff out and yeah. So if you have that happen, how are you going to handle it? Oh my gosh, it's like Christmas morning. Santa just brought a sleigh up. Right. How do we handle that? What's the best way? If I'm overwhelmed I, even just thinking I, about it. Right if I remember second, correctly, you came up with this and it was good. As soon as it comes off the truck, put it on the sidewalk. We had a pretty cinder block painted wall and go ahead and take your pictures right then and there. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought that was brilliant. Like before yeah. you even get it in the store to put it in the inventory and go through all the measurements, you are out in the natural light. It's coming off the truck, especially furniture items. I was going to say for the bigger items, that was yeah. awesome. And then yeah. I remember getting, you know, like our reseller Ikea bags that everybody uses. Love those things. And just sorting, like as it was coming off the truck, just having the bags lined up either behind the counter or outside if it was a nice day and just doing a quick sort on the items mm-hmm. and label it with his consigner ID. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to turn your back on that. And I think that's the thing that people feel like you have to, you do have to control your intake. I mean, you do. You have to have some kind of parameters. And we talked about ways to set those parameters, whether it's by appointment, by items, by, but you also have to be sure you don't cut off a good thing that knocks on your door out of nowhere. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you just can't, I mean, I look at my two estates, they were not planned. Yep. Um, Did they put me behind? Yeah. I, I now have, quite a few money piles, but at the same time, I'm so glad I have these money piles. Like so glad. Yeah. All right. Like let's go into the, um, I'm just going to say it pandemic that happened mm-hmm. because I had taken advantage of situations like that money pile on wheels driving up. And I had a, I still have a backlog of at least eight weeks worth of inventory and items. I'm running about eight weeks out Mm -hmm. in my location here. So I was very thankful to have that. I was very, very thankful to have that. And where I always looked at it with a sense of like anxiety and like, oh, I should be current. I was like, maybe it's not the best to be current. Maybe it's, there are certain situations where it's okay to have that backlog and have stuff lined up so you can just list if something and unplanned event happens. I think that is a great piece of advice. And it's something I'm really trying to get better at because, and I know there are other people out there like me, my brain shuts off with chaos. And so when there is a big pile of intake in my living room, (laughs) I tend to just shut down like I feel. And so it is a a little bit of a mental battle for me, but I have overcome it now because of you naming it a money pile. And I've (laughs) realized, you know what? I'm going to get through it. I'm not going to get through it all tomorrow. It might take several Molly's list of Paloozas for me to get through it, (laughs) but it's okay because these particular estates are people who I know who understand that they're just happy that it's out, it's something's going to happen to it, and it's going to get done over time. That doesn't always work out that way. A lot of times you need to stick with each consigner at a time. But this little discussion brings me to what I really want to talk about is um, how, how to handle that in your listing and how to get as much listed as you can when the income, when the intake is overwhelming. And so I have tricks in my brain that work from the way my brain is. So let's talk about the tricks we use to get through. You say you're typically like eight consigners back. So how do you handle having that many consigners items 
Yeah, I'll tell you how I handle it before I talk about how we should handle it. Right. And that's the thing. We're going to talk about how we do it. And then, yeah, (laughs) this is how it happens. So I do not, now that I'm all online, I do not limit the amount that people can bring. So I will often get, it's not unusual to get a thousand items at a time from one consigner. It's a lot. Okay. So what I do is I just organize, I make sure any box or bag is clearly labeled. And then I just keep a sheet of the consigner name and the date it came in. And I just run down that sheet and I do process everything in order, um, in the order it's received. My consigners are aware of that. Now, sometimes if I have an extremely large consignment, I do intersperse some smaller ones in there because a very large one can take weeks to get through. Sure. Um, So I do that, but I just keep an organized list and I just keep it in labeled boxes and bins. And when it's their turn, I, I get to it. And then what do you, what do you tell your consigners? I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, no, no, that's a good point. So I just say, you're welcome to, I let people drop their items off. And I say, you know, you're welcome to drop them off. When you drop them off, you get put in line behind. It's just a like first come. So you just get, you'll get your um, items processed when I'm done with the previous one. So don't wait to drop it off because that's just going to put you further back. But we're about eight weeks out right now to process. You'll see your items in the system uh, when they, when they go in. If you have any questions, let me know. Okay. I'd like to double check that they're okay with that waiting period. Yeah. Definitely double, definitely double check. That's what I was thinking. You need, they need to know that ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, I only had one person that really gave me a hard time about it, and I fired her as a consigner. So um, that's it, one person. Yeah, yeah. So they probably weren't for me anyway. They weren't for you, no. <laughs> I, that, I was getting ready to say most people are probably fine with that because the majority of people who are consigning just want to get it out of their way. And if you're willing to be like for me, if I were doing it, if you were, when I, have a yard sale or clean something out. I want it gone. I don't want it hanging around. So if you're willing to be the storage for that, and then I get a surprise two, three months down the road of a check in the mail, I'm like, oh, and I think the majority of people think that way when you're cleaning out, you just, you know, want to get it gone. And if you can make some money, phenomenal. Yeah. And I mean, you can use that to your advantage and tell people, you know, this service is in, in very high demand there, and there's not a lot of people that provide this service. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about that before. Like there's more than enough to go around, but the, right. particularly the service of consignment is in high demand. Uh, we're doing the, you know, we're doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not for you, that's, that's totally, I totally understand that. And those are the people I know we, it's like beating a dead horse. Those are the people you want to let go. You don't yeah. want them. They will cause you problems down the road. You want to make sure people are happy with the service you're providing. It, it's And this advice is coming from many years of experience. My <laughs> friends, many years of experience. Many, many painful experiences yes. Yes. are behind that. But yes. don't be afraid. And this theme is going to be repeated probably in so many episodes. Do not be afraid to tell someone no. Yeah. Just yeah. It's okay. It's okay. 
right. So I know, okay, so I'm going to talk about what I do because I do some consignment, but I also source. So I'm a mixture of both. And I know with our C chatters and people that listen, we have a mixture of both. We have full consignment. Mm -hmm. We have resellers that source. I am 50-50. I go pretty much down the middle in that. Um, So I look at both things. So sourcing is very different, especially when you have a shopping addiction and you love to source. Um, You can really get a crazy money pile and not even realize it till you turn and go, oh my gosh, okay, I need to chill. Um, So for me, I always said my ultimate would be to source, list till it's all done, source again, list till it's all done, and never source until I'm done the listing. The problem with that, though, is first of all, you get consignment that comes in between, and those always take precedence because they are consigners and they get number one priority. But also, you think, okay, I just did my last sourcing right now. I'm going to get all this listed. And ping, your phone text comes through and your favorite sourcing spot, 70% off all their items. I mean, what am I supposed to do for the love of all that is good? I can't say no. That's like that's like turning your back on the box truck coming up to the window. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I got to go get it. I got to go look. And looking usually equals a few bags of horse. <laughs> right. And I, you know what? I see this so much in our community and yeah. a lot of reseller yeah. communities yeah. is something that gets a very, very common struggle. Yeah. Very so common. I will tell you a couple of things that I am, I've decided it's okay in my brain, the way I do things. Number one, sourcing makes me happy. It's my me time. Some people choose the hot tub and wine. Some people choose a walk in the park. Some people choose coffee with their bestie. And listen, I like all that too, (laughs) but I love sourcing. It just makes me happy. I am a shopper at heart. I don't have to shop for me. I don't even like to shop for me. I spend three times more money shopping for my boys than for me. I love to shop for them. Oh my gosh. I just have to say, I last night I was listening to our previous episode, Consignment About Consignment Life, episode 69. And uh-huh. you did a whole little, you were talking about it. And I was laughing. I'm going to link it up the video because I was laughing so hard listening Why? to you talk about sourcing and how like literally you'd be shaking afterwards. Oh my gosh, y'all. Like literally, it was hilarious. Like I'm thinking, should I dial 911? Am I okay? Am I going to pass out on the ground? Like I am a serious sorcerer. So anyway, not sorcerer, but sorcerer. <laughs> so I had to come to terms with sometimes life gets stressful. And yes, I have a pile, but I would rather go out and have that sense of happiness for 30 minutes or an hour and add to my pile than not. However, I want to back up and say, be careful. I don't ever spend what I don't have to back it up. And that's where I worry about people that go out sourcing that you might buy more thinking, oh, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. I buy with what I've already been paid after I give my portion to the household and to all the things that my money goes to on my half. And then I have what I call Molly's mission money. And that means that's my fun money and sourcing money. 
And so I don't ever, I don't ever shop without knowing I've got it because to me, that would be crazy. I don't want to say crazy because some people might do it, but you have to be careful because with consignment, you're not, it's not a big monetary risk for you because those items are coming to you free of charge. When you're sourcing, you are putting your money at risk that you're hoping you can sell that item and actually make and not lose money. And it's always a risk when you put your money out there like that, because you don't know what's going to happen to the resale world and to, you know, platforms or whatever. So just, just be careful is my thing. That is such a good point because I see people doing that all the time. And I've actually cringe when I hear other resellers and podcasters and YouTubes give the advice to, yeah, just, you know, put it on a credit card or you'll make it up. Um, You can avoid doing this. Please, please, please do. Please. It's not, it's not worth it in the long run. Now I do have a credit card that I use specifically for sourcing and that is all it's for. And it gives me points, but that credit card, I don't use it for anything that I don't already have money and Molly's mission to cover what I'm doing. So as soon as I get back from sourcing, I hand what I spent to my husband and he shifts the money over and immediately puts it on the credit card because I don't ever want to get myself in a hole with this. And I think for people, especially shopping addicts like me, it's probably fairly easy to get yourself into that. Right. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what about, I, I think it could almost be fun to do this, right? So we talk okay. a lot about profit first and check out our book, cl- check out our book club or a video on profit first. It's just a cash management system and it flows really well with this idea, but okay. So the idea being you make, um, you make a thousand dollars in a week okay. and you, you know, t- I don't know, take 500 of that for yourself and your expenses and all that stuff. Uh Let's say, and then you set aside a percentage, um, I don't know, maybe 20%, $200. And that goes into your Molly's mission or your whatever mission or your sourcing, your sourcing account or your sourcing fund. You have $200 Uh and you can build that, but you can almost make a game of it. Like, all right, I have $200 to shop with this week. Or if it builds, I have $400 to shop with this week. Or I have $20 to shop with this week, right. whatever it is. I mean, whatever if you're sourcing, it is. $20 can get you some good items. I mean, make it a game, make it fun for yourself, make it a, a challenge, make yeah. it, you yeah. know, make it, make it fun. That's a good and idea. And I think that'll take some of the anxiety out of it. You know, yeah. I love a challenge. If somebody, you know, said, here's 20 bucks, like, see what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Woo! I got Believe this me. girl. <laughs> I got this girl. Well, I had I had always, like I said, said I was going to whatever I brought in, get it processed, and then not get any more. I finally realized that is not my reality. So what do I do? Okay, I've already told you consigners come first. However, right now I have a couple of estates and they are family or friend family. That what I do now, and this is how I get through my money pile, I focus on, because it's so much stuff, y'all, I'm talking thousands of items and boxes of stuff that all is antique and vintage and needs research. I take a box from one estate, process it through, whether that takes me a week or whatever, process it through, 
and I know I did something for that estate. Then the next time I get a box from the other estate, process that through. Then I take a week and I get my sourcing items and I go through and think what's coming up and what are the best things for me to list right now. And the best way I find to do that is, for instance, I did bathing suits the other day. Why? Because the season's coming. People are starting to feel the warmth. They're starting to think about summer. They're starting to think about, you know, spring breaks and vacations. So every bathing suit that I had, I pulled and I photographed and got it out there. I batch listed. Hmm. So batch listing, and we have talked about this in many episodes before, to me, number one, my brain likes it. It works well with my brain because it's not cluttered. I'm focused on one thing. Mm -hmm. I think Libby, you talked about, you know, you focus on one consigner. So that's kind of the way your brain organizes your things because you are. No, I do want to say that I, all right. So I have a consigner. I pull out all of their items, which may be like a small consignment for us is like 40 items. Mm-hmm. And I separate and I batch them just like you're talking about. So I do all the jewelry, all the pants, oh, the shirts. All the shirts. Yeah. 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 I definitely sort and batch within consigners. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's so much more efficient that way. If you do it that way, that will help you get through your money pile faster. If you do it that way. Now it works for us. That would be my suggestion for you. So that's kind of the rotation I do. And then every now and then I have a couple of consigners that will ship things to me. And when that stuff comes in, I just go ahead and get that up because it's typically not a 50 item thing. I can typically do it within an afternoon. If I just say, okay, I'm going to take this several hours and I'm going to get Debbie's things up and in now. Mm -hmm. And I just go through her items because when people are shipping you consignment, it's typically not a heavy, huge bag of items, you know, oh, they, true, they, true. they have chosen their top 10 and you can typically get those 10 into the system, you know, within a day, let's say two, if your kids call or you got to go to the soccer field or whatever, but typically within two days, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I rotate mine around is a state one, a state two, you know, then I go to my sourced items and batch whatever I'm doing. And I tend to think about what's upcoming. You know, this, or I'm like, oh, I got two awesome pair of jeans a couple of weeks ago that I'm dying to get online. So, because I'm so anxious to get those rag and bones up, those jeans I got, I'm going to batch all my jeans and just list all my jeans today. Yeah. So that's how I do it. Now, the other option, and I'm almost there, I'm almost there. What is it? Is to hire help. Oh, yes. If you're really backed up, think about hiring help. And there are many ways you can do it. And I'm going to let Libby tell you a few of those ways since she's the business owner and has hired help in a couple of different ways. (laughs) All right. So first thing you're going to do is you're going to check out our roundtable episode, which I will link up where we talk about hiring help. I think there's some really good suggestions from people that do it all different ways. And there are people that are just starting out. So we have VAs, virtual assistants. So they're not actually on site. They're not touching the item. A lot of people use that. Um, If you're working from home, this is a really good option. If there's nobody in your area. I, I like that idea. It, I don't need it right now. I prefer to have somebody physically come So I have somebody right now that comes and they'll pick up a batch of items and sort them for me and enter them into the system. I don't know that it is the most efficient, but it's helping, it's helping me get through the backlog I have right now. 
Okay. I also have people come and just do photography. I right now I'm just putting things in manageable chunks because I don't have anybody. Well, I do have one person that does complete listings and I pick them up, but if you can find somebody like that, Oh my gosh. Holy grail. Um, but everybody else I have just do small segments. Like you're doing the photography, you're doing the keywording, you're doing the sorting because it's a lot of training for somebody to go through the whole process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I, check out that episode. There's way more great suggestions. In yeah. There. And there's so many ways, like you can hire somebody in so many different ways. And that's what I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking about hiring somebody to just um, do virtual listings, not make them live, but just do the basic parts of the listings and let me go through. And I think, is it Dana Crawford that talks about that in that episode? Mm-hmm. Um, how she's trained people to do that. And that's kind of, to me, that was something that, that was uh, Teresa Cox. In the oh, Teresa Cox. Episode. I'm yeah. sorry. Teresa Cox. Um, who talks about that. And I just think that that would help me a lot. If somebody could go in and just kind of do the base of the listing. Um, I don't mind listing. I don't really mind any of it, but to me, finding somebody to do that is easier than bringing somebody into my home to photograph. So if I could, and I don't know, maybe I'll find somebody who's a photographer, but to have somebody, my husband does like to do it on the weekends. Sometimes he'll get, and so sometimes he's my photographer and he'll go, I'm going to, I'm going to have a photo palooza and I'm going to see if I can photograph 40 items or 50 items. And I'm like, all right, have at it. You know, (laughs) I'm not going to complain. And he's gotten real good with it. But um, when he does that, it's very, very helpful for me with all the other things I'm doing to have those photographs sitting in my phone ready. And then all I have to do is create the listing and process it through. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's many ways to do it. And I think if you're really, if it's really overwhelming you and making you kind of put your brakes on and get a little overwhelmed, reach out. You never know. You might find a local high school kid that just wants to come in and make a little money and would come in and just, you teach them how to use whatever you use for photography, your phone and put photo room on there and let them go to town and do it. A lot of times you find those kids are more creative with their photography than we are. You know, you might come out with phenomenal (laughs) photographs for your items, but don't be afraid if you can do it in your budget to reach out and have somebody come in and help. So, yeah. That's my advice. Anything else advice? Oh my gosh. All right. So we have so much. So we have so much to talk about on this uh, death pile, money pile topic that we are going to be doing a round table discussion uh, yes. in our community, our free private community, Facebook. So we're going to be doing a round table and we're going to publish that episode. We'll be recording with other uh, sellers, resellers, consignment sellers, it's going to be a mix. And we're going to be recording on their thoughts, their struggles and ideas. So I'm really excited about that. But I'm so excited to hear what other people say. I know not only, and we have so much, like there's so much more we can get into with this. I, I, as we started talking, I was like, oh, this is way more than one episode. Right. The other thing we are doing is our Patreon group where we meet monthly Yep. And that link is on our website. So we're going to be taking this topic, the topic of the roundtable topic of the month, and actually having a private non-recorded 
discussion with our Patreon members where we can just openly discuss death piles and it's a smaller group setting. And I mean, that's an awesome option if you want that private uh, experience and yeah, so I allow if, you to get more kind of the one-on-one feel of getting some, even some direct advice through that when you do the. Yeah, our last one we did uh, last month was time management, and that was phenomenal. That was that was really really helpful. Yes. And also add in a little, another layer of. I'm sorry, Molly. I cut. No, you off. go for it. I love accountability. It. That is the beginning part of our monthly Patreon meeting. Yes on tier one. And it is, we hold each other accountable for, for different things. And we just have like a little couple minute check-in at the beginning of each. So uh, if you need that accountability and you want to check in with somebody, we are there for you to do it in that way. Love our community. I just love our community. I do. In fact, a lot's been going on in our community. Oh, you know what? I, my segue, (laughs) I feel like I just really, I'm, I'm having trouble shutting up today. I have so much to share with you. That's what I like. (laughs) All right. So we're just finishing up. We're recording this a little in advance, but we're just finishing up our hashtag Samantha says Instagram reels challenge. And wow, 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 wow. Was that not amazing? Yes. So if you haven't checked it out, go on to Instagram, follow the hashtag Samantha says, and check out some of the reels people in our community have done. I was so impressed. The creativity of these resellers, consignment owners was amazing. I was so impressed. So impressed. And we have links to them in our free private community on Facebook, Consignment Chats community. So you can also go there and take a peek at them, maybe get some ideas I think video is the feedback we got from people was was very, very positive uh, that are incorporating video into their business. It's the wave of the future. Check out the Aaron Kinzel episode on Let's Get Real. Yes. And you can get some ideas on why. And I'm going to tell you this, because by the time this airs, it should be up. If you want to know who the winner was of our Samantha Says, that winner and the link to their business will be on our website. I'm so excited. I think everybody that participated in this challenge is absolutely a winner. A winner. Their business you won. get a trophy and you get a trophy and you get a trophy. <laughs> I'm not big on participation trophies. I know. But in this case, it is totally warranted. Totally warranted. They did an amazing <laughs> job. Everybody did a great job putting themselves out there and created some amazing things. So Yeah. yeah. All right. So the other thing I have to share with you is something that really weird and funny that happened to me on Easter. Uh Easter Sunday, I stopped by Polly's house and they were just finishing up their Easter dinner. So she had a group around her table of family and friends. And I sat down and totally unsolicited. The conversation happened upon mission statements. What? Like, this is weird. So I'm just like kind of like sitting back and listening. And they were carrying on about how stupid mission statements were and how they can't stand to write them. And they get everybody in a room and, you know, like they never make any sense. You post them up on the wall. They're just ridiculous groups of words. And I'm just like, ah. So finally, like the discussion was kind of, you know, coming to a head. And I was like, I love mission statements. I think they're really 
really important um, people write them and they've had enormous success with them. And they were like, I can't, what's wrong with you? Why would you like that? And I was like, it's my calling. Like, I love to write missions. Totally your calling. Yeah. And uh, I just thought that was interesting. People's idea of how a mission statement was and coming from their perspective, there was, you know, a couple of people in education, um, a couple of people in like a big corporate environment Mm-hmm. And they would say they would just put people in a room and they'd kind of like throw words out there and they'd mince them together. And at the end of the day, they'd have this kind of generic mission. So maybe a little less meaningful for the company. So I think it was maybe not meaningful. Maybe the right people weren't involved. I don't know like- that. I don't, I, I don't know if this is going to come off the wrong way, but I don't know if the people doing the day-to-day work are necessarily the ones that should be writing the mission statement. I think that is probably the job of uh, the leaders of the company to be writing the mission statement and saying, sure. go. so as I thought about it, I think that was the difference. I mm-hmm. think that was the difference is like, they're not connected to the mission of the company. They do right. a great job. They right. do their jobs really well. They're very skilled, but, but their heart they're not totally into it. Yeah. 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 So that, I think that's why the mission statements were generic, but I was just sitting there like, oh my gosh. So later that day I was like, <clears throat> I texted Polly and I, or actually yesterday I texted Polly and I was like, look, here's our mission statement. And here's why I love it. And I sent her the TikTok video of us doing the, uh-huh. <laughs> our mission statement for conscious uh-huh. consignment. Oh my gosh. She was like, you're crazy. You're crazy, but that's really good. <laughs> I was like, that's what a mission statement should be. Yes. Fun, engaging, inspiring. Yep. 100%. Anyway, 100%. I just had to share that with you because it was like, right. I couldn't believe the conversation was about mission statements. Really? I mean, Easter dinner, what, what mission statements? Like. And the fact that I was there and that they just totally talked about it unsolicited. That's correct. That's, that's my mission. What? What? <laughs> what? That's crazy. Uh, All right, my hey, friend. Whew, this was a great episode. This has been a ton of fun. We've given you a lot of information. Remember to like and follow C Chats so that you don't miss out on other information that we're going to have to share because we're full. We're full of it. Full of it. And we're, we're full of it. You know, it's funny because I'm, I'll be out there in the community or in groups or something and people will say, oh, I didn't know. I, I didn't know you had that. I've been looking for that video or I've been looking at a how to or I had questions on that. How did I not come across this? So uh, feel free to share it. And uh, yeah, share it. Don't there are people out there stuff. looking for it. I guess we're just not ranked like high enough in Google. I, I don't know. I don't know. But y'all share with your friends, share with your other reseller friends, let them be a part of this community because, I mean, it's a great community and the support is wonderful. We've seen that in so many ways. So don't be selfish. (laughs) And there's so much going on. I can't wait until we record next week so I can like tell you everything else that's happening. Oh, so much. So y'all go on to consignmentchats.com where you can link up to everything we have out there, the Patreon, the social media, all the good stuff. So you are in the know. Yep. All right. Until next week, my friends. Cheers. Thanks for joining Libby and Molly, the ladies of Consignment Chats, as we build a resourceful community of collaborative resellers. 
Find all the ways to connect with us at consignmentchats.com. Episodes are available on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts. In addition, you can find us on Facebook in our Consignment Chats community. Until next time.